0: Are you turning it off? Morning. The scripture today comes from Genesis 32, verses 22 through 31. Jacob got up during the night, took his two wives, his two women servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the Jabbok River's shallow water. He took them and everything that belonged to him, and he helped them cross the river. But Jacob stayed apart by himself. And a man wrestled with him until dawn broke. When the man saw that he couldn't defeat Jacob, he grabbed Jacob's thigh and tore a muscle in Jacob's thigh as he wrestled with him. The man said, let me go because the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. He said to Jacob, what's your name? And he replied, Jacob. Then he said, your name won't be Jacob any longer, but Israel because you struggled with God and with man and one. Jacob also asked and said, tell me your name. But he said, why do you ask for my name? And he blessed Jacob. There Jacob named the place Peniel, because I've seen God's face to face and my life has been saved. The sun rose as Jacob passed Peniel, limping because of his thigh. For the word of God in scripture, For the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Thank you.
1: Good morning, church. It's good to be with you. My gratitude to Pastor Jenny for the invitation and opportunity to be with you. This was a visit that was a long time in coming. It was actually almost three years ago that uh, I first uh, was introduced to some of the family here at uh, Valley Presbyterian as we gather for dinner at the home of Kelly and Brett Battles, Uh, and then the pandemic hit, and the conversations we had then uh, have stayed in my mind and the opportunity to connect, and Pastor Jenny and I have had an opportunity to connect a number of times, and so I was delighted that finally things are returning to in person with each other, for the opportunity to come to you all and and to meet uh, you, many of you for the first time. My connection to uh, Valley Presbyterian started out uh, through a roundabout way in Ashland, uh, uh, Oregon, when I was visiting one of the board members of the seminary where I serve as president. Uh, Again, my name is David Vasquez-Levy. I serve as president at Pacific School of Religion a seminary in Berkeley, California. Uh, one of our board members uh, is a, a member of a congregation in, Ice, in Ashland that was, at, uh, that was served by one of our alums from PSR. And as I was visiting there years ago, I got to meet uh, Pastor Mark and Cheryl, who could not stop talking about uh, the church here and the ministry of this congregation It's theater ministry, it's impact on the community. So we've stayed in touch and all of those things finally mean I have the opportunity to be with you today and I'm grateful for that. Seminaries are creatures of the church. When I told my daughter who is now uh, preparing to go off to college that I was going to become president of a seminary, this was seven years ago, she said to me, Why does a cemetery need a precedent? <laughs> I said, Well, not a cemetery. <laughs> but seminaries, the word seminary comes from the, Greek, the Latin word for a seedbed, a place that you take seeds and plant them so they may grow a bit and then be transplanted to grow elsewhere. The seeds come from the church. It is the work of seminaries to prepare leaders for the church who find their own discernment and call in the midst of these communities and return to serve our communities. But seminaries prepare not only pastors and clergy, but increasingly recognize the need in our world for leaders with passion, with vision, and with skill to lead in all areas of society. In a time eerily similar to our own, marked by war and pandemic, William Butler Yeats poem, The Second Coming, articulated the need for each of us who are people of faith to draw on the deepest wells of our knowledge, of our conviction. In The Second Coming, William Butler Yeats writes the best lack all conviction while the worst are full of passionate intensity. We are living through a time that requires us, those of us who hope and aspire for the best to draw from our own conviction, to understand the traditions of our communities, the legacies of our faith traditions, to engage a world in desperate need of good news. That is the work of a seminary. That is the work of Pacific School of Religion that for over 150 years has been seeking to prepare spiritually rooted leaders so that we may create a world where all can thrive. There's some information about PSR on the table outside uh, after coffee, love to kind of have an opportunity to visit with you about that work, but also to invite you to take some of those things with you and to give a new look at the possibility of seminary, not only for the preparation of pastors and clergy, but to help shape your own journey of faith and your own understanding of it. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our God, and our Redeemer. In the introspection afforded to many of us during the time of sheltered in place, I came to a realization. I am officially middle-aged. My oldest is in his second semester at Howard University in D.C., and my youngest, who was the one who told me why does a cemetery need a president, has made a final decision to go to Cal Poly Humboldt to start college this fall after having sat with many possibilities of schools to go to. I don't know what happened. It was just yesterday that they were just tiny little kids. If my teenage children uh, fail to remind me that I'm middle-aged, my body takes care of it. Whether it is trying to figure out why is it that every time I try to stretch, something hurts. I'm also reminded of it at three in the morning when I wake up with the weight of the world on my shoulders I remember as a child wondering why my parents would talk about not being able to sleep what was there to it plop on your head on the pillow go to sleep wake up bright and early ready to go in the opening lines of The Peace of Wild Things, poet and activist, Wendell Berry, shows that he knows what it means to be middle-aged. When despair for the, gro- when despair for the world grows in me, I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's life may be. Jacob, And the story we heard read this morning in Genesis is middle-aged. He is grappling with the consequences of his actions when he was a young man. I don't know if you remember the story of Jacob, but Jacob is one of a pair of twin brothers who are born wrestling in the womb and as they come out. The story in the Bible says that when they were born, it's a great image, Jacob was holding on to his older brother, Isa, who was older by a couple of minutes as he was born and was holding on to his heel because Jacob is in the Bible the trickster figure. This is where we get the idea of pulling your leg as he is pulling the leg of his brother as he is born. But at this moment, Jacob is not enjoying the role of trickster but is wrestling with the fact that he cheated his brother out of his birthright, which led him to run away and spend the majority of his adult life in exile. In the story we heard today, he is returning back home for the first time and wrestling with the legacy of those decisions he made as a young man and wondering if he will be able to re-engage in relationship with his brother. Things have gotten significantly more complicated for Jacob than the last time he was at this very same spot. See on his way out after cheating his brother when he ran away he lay down and had a dream like a young man might on his way out to explore the world himself, wondering what might be ahead. On his way back now, he is returning with a much more complicated life. With spouses and children and property, his life has become significantly more complicated. In a scene that is reminiscent of the ones that have become so prevalent on our screens, of people escaping Out of the path of war, storms, economic displacement, and conflict. In today's text, Jacob is traveling with his whole family, with everything with them. He sends his family across the river first with all of his possessions, while he remains by himself on the other side of the river Middle age and in the middle of the night, Jacob is finding himself in that liminal space so often portrayed in the scriptures by rivers. The Jordan River that marked Jesus' transition from private to public ministry. The body of water that divided Egypt from the promise that the people of Israel would pursue Jacob is himself in such a liminal in-between space and he lays there in the night wrestling. In the Bible's first ever recorded all-nighter, Jacob is wrestling in the night with God. In the way of the Bible, this is a metaphor an expression for those middle-of-the-night wrestlings we all know well. Whether it is wrestling with our own decisions and actions or those of the world, Jacob is wrestling at that in-between space, knowing that his life is about to be transformed yet again as he tries to reconcile himself with his past. We have been In such a liminal space as a people as a nation as a world this time of pandemic of protest of war of polarization has us wrestling within families within nations within communities to try to understand what it means to make our way beyond this time of pandemic, of protest and polarization, and wondering what it would mean to return to whatever is normal again. In many ways, we know that we do not want to return to whatever was before this moment, this time. We have come to recognize in this time the high price that we have paid for the normal we have lived with. Over this period of pandemic, protest, and polarization, we have come to terms with many of the legacies that we, as a nation who is middle age, have wrestled with our sins of origin, with the way that we, as a nation, dealt with some of our siblings in how they experienced life at the beginning of this country. And so we know that at this liminal space, as we returned back with masks slowly and persons to one another, wondering what will be normal again, what shall we return to? This period of time, this liminal space has been identified often enough as feeling apocalyptic. I don't know if you have noticed how much that word is finding its way into pretty much everything. Whether we're talking about the environment about political situations, about the well-being of our children, our educational systems, the word apocalyptic keeps finding its way as a reference to this moment where it feels like things are coming to an end. But Brothers and sisters, we are people of faith. And for those of us who are people of faith, it is important to pay a little attention to what the word actually means. So this is your seminary moment of the, night, of the day. The word apocalyptic comes from the Greek word for revelation. Apocalyptic does mean that things may be coming to an end, the end of an epoch. But more importantly, it means that something is being inco- uncovered or revealed. This last couple of years have indeed revealed much, about our impact on one another and on a hurting planet. It has revealed much about the interconnectedness we have to one another as an invisible microbe connects us quickly around the whole world. But what has also been revealed in this time is the strength of our communities the deep connections we have to one another. It has revealed for us what is truly essential in our work, in our relationships, in our work with one another. It has revealed to us what Martin Luther King spoke about when he said in his letter from Birmingham jail, Moreover, I am cognizant of the interrelatedness of all communities and states. I cannot sit idly by in Atlanta and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham, he wrote. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied to a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Jacob is wrestling with his past, trying to figure out what it will mean to move ahead into the other side of this liminal space. The good news of the text is that God wrestles with him. What Jacob is doing in the middle of the night to figure out if he can reconcile himself with his past is the work of every immigrant, of every generation. It is the work that the church must do. How much of our past can we carry into our future? How much of it must we let go of? How will both the mistakes and the opportunities of our past and our legacies help inform the world as we move ahead into it? What of our faith and convictions and values will be transferred to the next generation? And how much of it will they need to discover anew what it means to be church, to be world, to be connected? The good news is that it is in the wrestling with these questions that God is present. See, the role of the church, which in all of the challenges we may think and concerns we may have about the future of religious communities, represents still the largest network of organizations anywhere in the world. Every single Community in the United States has a church. Communities where the banks have moved out, the grocery stores have closed, the gas stations are gone, the schools have been consolidated, whether it's in rural areas or in urban settings. Churches remain present in those communities. Symbols of that network of interconnectedness. Our work as people of faith is a calling to reimagine how we wrestle with the realities of our lives. In fact, in the sacred text, Jacob gets a new name in the middle of such a difficult middle age, in the middle of the night liminal moment. His new name becomes Israel, one who wrestles with God. The role of the church is not simply to pass on what we ourselves have already come to understand and the ways we have come to understand life and good news, but rather the role of the church is to wrestle. That is the very name of the people of Israel, the ones who wrestle with God. In this time of pandemic protest and polarization, we are wrestling with tectonic shifts, not only in our faith communities, but in every aspect of our lives. Massive changes in technology and acceleration, in globalization, in environmental degradation, in the awareness of the ethnic and cultural diversity of our world. We have an opportunity to bring into this moment the legacies of our stories, of our faith traditions, of our communities, to think collectively, about how a world can be one of life for all. We are middle age as a world and as a nation. We must grapple with the consequences of the actions we took as a nation early on, but also to seek ways to live fully into a future where all can thrive. In the work at Pacific School of Religion at PSR, I tell students at the beginning of every school year through an orientation that our work of theological education is about three things to blow your mind, to embolden your heart, and to strengthen your hands. That is our work for the seminary on behalf of the church, but for the church as well. To blow our minds, to place the issues of our day, of our life, into a much larger whole. That's what. You know the degree we give at a seminary is called a Master's of Divinity. Isn't that hilarious? Like we've got a Master of Divinity, really? But anyway, it's an attempt at saying that what we try to wrestle with are these theological ideas, these large stories, these sacred stories that help us think about the things we care deeply about in a much larger whole, larger than our church, larger than our state, larger than our nation, larger even than our world. To embolden our hearts because we must seek in times like these to draw from a deep well that can sustain us and to give witness to the ways that we have been sustained through many other periods of challenge in our lives and increasingly to develop the necessary skills to build a world where all can thrive tomorrow will mark the 55th anniversary of another speech by Martin Luther King that is perhaps not as well known, but has often been understood as the speech that began to really turn towards the possibility of his assassination. Because of the way that in that speech he articulated with such forcefulness his opposition to the Vietnam War and his understanding of the need for a world to be transformed. Speaking at Riverside Church in New York City in a speech entitled Beyond Vietnam, Time to Break the Silence, MLK wrote the following. These are revolutionary times. All over the globe, people are revolting against all systems of exploitation and oppression. And out of the wounds of a frail world, new systems of justice and equality are being born. The shirtless and the barefoot people of the land are rising up as never before. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. This is indeed an apocalyptic time, and we feel it in our bodies and in our gut, but it is a revelatory time because it is revealing an emerging generation of young people who see the same spirit we have seen ourselves, of the possibility of a world where all can thrive. These young people are calling us to fight for their lives. They are calling us to pay attention to the environmental impact we have They are demanding that we take to the streets and remember that black lives matter. It is in this generation that we see, as in every generation before, the possibility of a new world. What gives me most energy is to see those young voices expressed in those who come to PSR either as students to pursue a call to ministry in the church or to find ways to retool their own work in all kinds of disciplines to draw from their faith and their conviction to help reimagine the world. In this text from Genesis, it is worth noting that it is not a Western. You know, in a Western, if this story was a Western, Jacob would be walking victorious into a sunset and the whole thing will be settled. But That's not the way the story ends. Jacob is not walking like John Wayne victorious unto the sunset. Instead he is limping into a sunrise. He has been transformed by this wrestling in the night and that gives him the courage to walk into the possibility of a new day. May we too be inspired of the word of God, by the convictions of our lives, to imagine the possibility of walking, perhaps limping,
0: if need be, into a new world. Amen.